A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to Napa Cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 52, we're talking Rebel Talent. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Francesca Gino, a professor at Harvard Business School, is here to talk about her new book, Rebel Talent. We'll get to that chat in just a moment. Next time, we have Adam Fairhead in for a discussion of cause-driven companies. Then we'll have Alex Withers of InMotion Now in to talk about his firm's in-house creative management survey. Looking ahead, we've got a lot of discussions. We're going to be talking about the attention economy, creating stronger marketing with data, the intersection of technology and marketing, more on product marketing, and boy, there is a whole lot more in store, so stay tuned. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod, we like to call it, with Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, let's get to my chat with Francesca Gino. Francesca is the Tandon Family Professor of Business Administration at Harvard Business School. She has been honored as one of the world's top 40 business professors under 40 by poets and quants. And she has a new book out called Rebel Talent, Why It Pays to Break the Rules at Work and in Life. You fancy yourself a rebel or have some rebels in your company? Well, listen closely to my chat with Francesca. Let's get to it. Well, Francesca Gino, welcome. It's great to have you here. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's cut to the chase. What is a rebel? Rebels are people who break the rules that hold them and others back, and they do so in a way that is constructive and positive for themselves and for the organizations that they work for. So one example that come to mind is the example of a three Michelin star chef an yeah. owner of a restaurant called Osteria Francescana is the restaurant that in 2016 became the best restaurant in the world and they were back at the top of the list in 2018. Here you have a person who went to traditional Italian dishes and decided to reinvent them. So he studied traditions pretty carefully but then asked, why is it that we cook the dish this way? Maybe it made sense 20 or 30 years ago but not today. And so he created positive change and he reached success by questioning the status quo, questioning existing traditions in a context where I would say is tough to produce change, given that 
most Italians really cherish their old ways. Yeah. Have you had this food? I did have this food. Yep. I visited the restaurant. I was really intrigued by his story. And so I ended up visiting the restaurant in the hope of writing a Harvard Business School case study on him. And I was struck by what I saw at the restaurant. His recipes are very, very creative and quite an innovative way to put a spin on traditional Italian dishes. And his leadership is a great example of what I would call rebel leadership. Yeah. So, Are they different ingredients? Are they different cooking methods? What goes into it? So he's very experimental with both techniques and ingredients. So sometimes it's about the technique that is used to cook a dish that is very different from how traditionally it had been done. But it's also thinking through how you put different ingredients together. Yeah, yeah. And then the look of the dish is very, very different from the original one. So it's plated differently. It, yeah, and yeah. it's playful. So there yeah. is a dish called the crunchy part of the lasagna and it looks like a scorched italian flag put on a <laughs> on a plate with a lot of cream and bechamel it, it doesn't look anything like a lasagna if you ever had one but it's delicious and it almost makes you smile as you're eating it and you have yeah. these images for me of being a child and trying to steal the corner of the lasagna which is usually the crunchy and burnt yeah, part the best part yeah exactly it's the best part of the lasagna so the next question i have kind of is a question about the times we find ourselves in mm -hmm. today and you say that embracing rebels requires embracing other perspectives. Mm -hmm. And obviously, in our political, social, economic environment that we find ourselves in today, that seems to be tough. So how can we do that? Rebels are people who start conversations or come into meetings where they know that others might think differently. By starting from a different assumption, it's almost as if they're saying, I know that you're smart. I know that you care. And so with that assumption comes the fact that I'm then asking myself, why is it then that you think so differently? Why is it that we seem to disagree? And so the way I come into the conversation, the way I come into the meetings is much more respectful and really is an approach that has a lot of curiosity. So I'm going to investigate and trying to learn as much as I can about your perspective without necessarily thinking that my view is right. So that's what rebels do differently in a way that allows them to be more open-minded and also to approach conversations or disagreements in a healthier way from the way we see it in the real world today. But does it require kind of finding maybe one thing you can agree on? It requires accepting that others like us have good ideas. One of the places I explored when I was working on the book was improv comedy classes. And improv is a great context where what you're taught, basically, is to have respect for each other. So think about one of their core principles of the yes and. If we're working on a scene and you suggest something, I can't shut it down right. or smother your ideas. The idea is for me to contribute to the conversation and say, yes. So I'm accepting what you just put on the table. And the end is I add to it in a way that might take us in a very different direction, but it's still from a point of acceptance. That is often missing from organizations. 
but there are exceptions. So if you go to Pixar Animation Studios, for instance, they use the same principle of improv comedy. They call it plassing. They use it in brainstorming sessions. And so is this idea of having conversations where we know that one of the benefits is to have different perspectives, but we're actually true to ourselves and make sure that we use techniques that allow us to build on each other's ideas with respect rather than just disagreement. Yeah. In a creative process, it's essential to mm-hmm. have kind of an argument about something, right? Before yeah. you create your end product. It's right. So in uh, if we're doing something creative, having disagreement is absolutely essential. But the same is true if we're after making good decisions in groups. We need to have disagreement. We need to have people who challenge our thinking. Now, the part that often is forgotten is that that is not pleasant. So it's not something that we naturally look for. I'd rather have people who nod their heads and agree with me rather than people that challenge my way of thinking. But it's quite important if any of we're trying to make good decisions. So my business marketing has rebels and conformists. And often I've found in my career that conformists win because they kind of make the rules. So how do rebels break through that clutter and change things? So I would start in small steps in the sense that it's difficult for people to change or to do something fundamentally different from what they're doing. There is a bias that is a very well-known bias in decision sciences called the status quo bias. We love what we currently are in, whether it's a situation or a way of thinking, and it's difficult for us to move away from that type of thinking or from that situations because we start thinking that we're going to lose something. And this fundamentally is good for most people. And so rebels needs to be aware of the fact that we're all human beings and that we're affected by that type of bias and then find ways in a respectful manner to suggest how the situations could be approached differently or how it is that what we're doing can be done differently. Now, I have been in a lot of organizations and one of my favorite activities these days is to try to pay careful attention to ways of doings inside that particular company. And oftentimes you see processes or traditions that just make very little sense. If you actually look at them with a neutral perspective, just make very little sense. And so I started asking people, why is it that you do things this way? Nobody knows. That's they just, just the way say, we do it. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody, so I see that as a perfect opportunity to come in with a little bit of curiosity and say, why are we doing it this way? And then suggest some ideas respectfully of how we could approach things a little bit differently. Yeah. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. The famous Apple commercial comes to mind about think different, you know, when I think of rebels. And I think your message in your book and in all the YouTube videos I've seen of you talking about it is kind of similar to that. So, and I guess the point is the people we remember are the ones who broke the rules, right? They're, they're, they're the ones who kind of zigged when everyone else zagged <laughs> and, and they blazed a new trail. So is there anyone or any company that you see in the world today, maybe there are multiples, that are doing kind of what Apple did 20 years ago or did with the iPhone 
and they're using the power of the rebel to transform a marketplace, a business, whatever it is. Is is there anyone doing that in the world now? So if you were to pick up the book and read page after page, what I've tried to do in the project is a bit of that. So you might see some stories from Google, from Pixar Animation Studios. But what I also try to do is look at organizations where you wouldn't necessarily expect rebelliousness. So, for example, one of the organizations that I talk about in the book is called Pulse Sudden Service. They're a fast food chain in the middle of Tennessee and West Virginia. And I did that because what I wanted to argue and what I wanted to demonstrate that even in situations where what the job is about is executing without error, being incredibly lean and efficient, even in those contexts, we benefit from thinking about how to encourage more rebelliousness, right. how to make sure that people come to work and they are engaged. They're finding that their work is a source of joy rather than frustration. That's important if we really want to have people who come up with creative ideas and innovative way of thinking. So yes, there are organizations out there like Google and Pixar who are thinking very carefully about how to do things differently. But there are also organizations that maybe are less well-known, like a call center in India or this organization in the fast food chain business that are thinking about small ways in which rebelliousness can happen in a way that is beneficial to them. And there are probably unknown startups somewhere in the Boston area or Silicon Valley or Ireland, who knows where, who are preparing to take on... Google even. Who knows? No no business seems to be safe these days. I agree. So what's more important for a rebel? And maybe the the chef is a good example here. Is it raw talent or just the lost art of listening? Because he probably has incredible talent as, Mm -hmm. as a chef, but did he create those new recipes in a vacuum or did he listen to someone? Did he listen to his patrons at his restaurant. So perspective is an important ingredient of the rebels because perspective means that you're open to listening to others' ideas and considering their views rather than just your own. And more than that, rebels are people who are really hungry for learning. There are people who look at their experience and say, well, that means that there is more for me to learn. One of the rebels that I met that is really remarkable is the captain who ended up on a cold evening back in 2009, ditching a plane with 155 passengers in the Hudson River. Sully. Sully. Now he's very well known for for all sorts of good reasons. But I first met him before he became so well known because I found myself reading the accident report. So you can actually see the conversations as they were happening on the plane at the time of the accident. And what struck me is that you had a captain who had 208 seconds. That's the time that he had to make a decision. It was the time between when he discovered that there was no thrust in the engine and the time he ditched the plane in the Hudson River. Most of us, under such pressure, both in terms of times and also stress, given that he had 155 passengers with him on the plane, would narrow our way of thinking, would go to the most obvious answer, which probably in his case would have been to land at the closest airport. And he didn't. He kept considering multiple options, all sorts of alternatives. And he worked with his crew to be able to do that as well as the air controller um, in New York. 
And after reading the accident report, I reached out to him. I was fascinated by his story. And what I discovered is that by the time the accident happened, this captain had a ton of experience under his belt. He had over 30,000 hours of flying experience. He served in the military, so he had all sorts of knowledge about all sorts of planes. He had served as a volunteer to study previous accidents, so he had quite a bit of information about what can go wrong on a plane. And yet, every time he walked into the cockpit, it would ask himself what it is that could be different here. So he was able to have that humility, despite all the experience he had accumulated, to say, what's left to learn? And it's a really interesting approach that allows us to have perspective, to come into situation open-minded. And that is an important ingredient of what makes Rebels successful. And in the movie about that, you see the kind of reconstruction in the uh, debrief mm-hmm. where the simulation said he should have gone to Teterboro. Yeah. But they didn't take into account what they were going through in the cockpit at the time. Exactly. And that they were able to make decisions that were more logical for that situation that the simulation doesn't take into account. Exactly. And it's the decisions that were more logical, but also rather <laughs> creative. Yeah. If yeah. you think about it, it was almost looking at the river as a really long runway that was not busy with many boats. And so he thought it could be a safe spot for him to land. Yeah, I, I guess it's there was a, an element of luck there. Mm-hmm. The, the, the water wasn't choppy. That there wasn't a lot of traffic on the on the river. But yeah, you, know, you, you make your own luck, I guess, in that kind of situation. And as I said, what struck me about is a story is his ability, especially under such a pressure, to still have perspective and consider multiple options where many of us would have just considered one. Right. Right. So can anybody be a rebel? Absolutely. I'm still learning how to be an effective (laughs) one. I created a test that I put online and it's free. It's called the Rebel Test. So for people who visit rebeltalents.org, and if you have seven or eight minutes, take the test and it's going to give you a little bit of a feedback on which talents come more naturally to use. And if people come out as pirate, it's a very good thing. (laughs) I'll have to take that. So it's got seven days or seven steps, right? So that is another document that I created. I was very interested in making sure that people not only read the book, but also approach their life a little bit differently. So I created a document that is called Seven Days of Rule Breaking. And I tried it out. It was very rewarding. And if you're like me, after you try the rebel life, you won't want to go back. It's kind of like the Atkins diet for (laughs) rebellion. Is that it? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) A few ideas on what to try each day. And is that at rebeltalents.org as well? Yeah, exactly. So can you be a rebel if you don't first achieve a certain level of mastery over whatever is the norm? Can you instantly be a rebel in your chosen profession, or do you have to wait a while? What's important, independent on how big your job title is, what is important is to study traditions, if you will. I call, uh, in the book, I talk about this idea of thriving at the basics, to make sure that you're not just being disruptive for the sake of being disruptive, but you actually look and study the situations that you want to change. I think that's quite important 
because rebels are not people who break the rules just for the sake of breaking rules. They're people who break rules that hold them and others back in a way that is positive and constructive. And that requires a level of mastery of whatever it is that you're rebelling against. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So as you, you look ahead to 2019, we're early enough in the year where we can still talk about 2019 <laughs> as something that's coming. Uh, are there any trends you're following or developments you're anticipating for this year? I was looking actually at some data by the Gallup organizations, and it's supported by other surveys that have been done on the future of work, if you will, and the type of characteristics that seems to be becoming even more important for employees and leaders. And I was struck by the fact that very up top in the list, in fact, I think it was first in a couple of the surveys that were conducted, there is a creativity and innovative way of thinking. And so it's interesting that that seems to be such an important aspect of the type of talent that organizations need to be competitive. And so I'm hoping that rebels and rebelliousness are going to be more encouraged going forward by all sorts of organizations. It's interesting at, at companies like Google, I know specifically Google, they don't look at college degrees as much as they used to. Colleges are kind of starting to ignore the SAT. They're looking at the person. And that's kind of what that's about. It's, it's about looking at the human being. Yeah, it's not just the experience, it's experience plus the attitude that you have, your willingness to bring your contributions forward, your willingness to suggest ideas when everybody else is agreeing for a certain course of action, absolutely. And some of the, some of the greatest minds in technology, you know, were comparative literature majors. Mm -hmm. So it's not always the college that prepares you, it's your life that prepares you. It's your life and it's the breadth of the experiences that you have. I was reading some recent research that shows that CEOs who have a broad experience in terms of what they've accumulated throughout the years in their careers tend to lead companies that end up being more innovative than their counterpart CEOs who, whose experience is more narrow. Yeah. Steve Jobs comes to mind as someone who had a very kind of vast interest in the world and took every bit of that into creating products at Apple. Yeah. And you can think of very simple ways to broaden people's experiences and perspectives. At the restaurant I mentioned in the book, Osteria Francescana, one of the things that the chef and owner does is asking different people to cook the stuffed meal during each of the day of work. And what is doing is basically showing people that you can use the same ingredients in many different ways since his stuff is very diverse so with people all the way from Japan to Canada, Mexico. And so the same ingredients ends up in a dish in very different ways. It's kind of like a piano has 88 keys and you can use it in, in a number, any number of ways. Exactly. Well, Francesca, thanks for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. I really want to thank Professor Francesca Gino for being here. Next time, we have Adam Fairhead in for a discussion of cause-driven companies, so stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.
You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy 5-Hour Energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you've instantly won $10, $100, or even $1,000. Then you drink that 5-Hour Energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. 5-Hour Energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com rules. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply.